Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Placer County Planning Commission on this November 20th day. Uh, we're going to start out by having a salute to the flag. Wayne, would you like to lead us in that? Pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. Next, we'll have roll call. See if we have a quorum today. Uh, Mr. Gray. Mr. Nader. Here. Mr. Moss. Here. Mr. Johnson. Here. Mr. Ricucci. Mr. Denio. Here. Mr. Sevison. Yes. Okay, we do have a quorum, so we're going to continue. Uh, we're going to have a report from the planning director. EJ, looking dapper today. A week ago, so I don't have a lot to uh, update you on, except at the Board of, Me Board of Supervisors meeting on Tuesday, they continued the Sheridan plan, community plan up update in order to allow uh, further discussions with the property owner of the 33 acres to the south that was zoned industrial. That was continued to uh, January 9th. The next planning commission meeting is going to be December 11th. We had an appeal on a residential care home. Uh, we also have the Cambridge Estates gate that's proposed. Uh, that's all I have. We got a big agenda. Unless there's any questions, uh, we can get started with agenda items. Any questions, EJ? Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone in the audience that would care to address the commission on items not on the agenda today? Other than those, feel free to come forward and give us your name. Seeing no one coming forward, we'll move on then to. Okay, Mr. Chair, before we get to the next item, I'm going to have to recuse myself on this. Um, I do have property in the project area that's being discussed, so I will step down into the back of the audience there. <coughs> this is the Riolo? No, this is the Vineyards. Well, Riolo first? No, Riolo second. I'm sorry. You're right. Okay. I understand. Thank you, Mr. Denial. We still have a quorum, barely. <laughs> okay. Um, we are going to have the Placer Vineyard specific plan amendment. And. Uh, Michelle, are you. Me. Our fearless leader. I'll try. <laughs> so good morning. Good morning. Bear with me. I'm not the best at a PowerPoint. There we go. So good morning, uh, Planning Commission members. My name is Michelle Kingsbury. I'm one of the newest members of the planning department. And today I'll provide an overview uh, of the action before you, which is uh, the Placer Vineyard specific plan amendment request. Um, this is similar to our informational workshop that we did back in October with uh, some additional information that we'll add to.
So as you're aware, back in 2007, this project was originally approved um, for some geographic reference. Um, baseline Road, Rolegra. Um, this is in the unincorporated county area. We have a Sacramento County line down here and the Sutter County over here. Um, it's in our West Placer area. The item that's next on the agenda, Riolo Vineyards, is down in this area. Uh, so we're in the same area geographically of the county. Up at the top up here, make this work. Up at the top up here is uh, City of Roseville, the Sierra Vista specific plan, just for some geographic context of where we're at. Back in 2007, the project was originally approved. It's over 5,000 acres. Over 14,000 residential units were approved, a combination of low-density residential, medium-density residential, high-density residential. There was a significant amount, over 3.5 million square feet of commercial retail and office, largely planned along the baseline corridor. We have your high traffic areas up in this area. You can see in the purples and orange, uh, those are your power centers, your retail commercial up in those areas. The project proposed over 30,000 uh, residential population at full build-out. Full build-out would probably occur over a 20 to 40 year span. It's a large project. It'll take quite a bit of time uh, to build out. Uh, they proposed standalone park and public facilities. There was a standalone youth center, senior center that were all proposed um, in the plan area when originally approved. There's one high school, two middle schools, and six elementary schools that are proposed. Uh, in 2007, the total amount of active park acreage that was approved was 210 acres. They had over 709 um, acres of open space that was approved as well, and over, I want to say over 43 uh, miles of um, trails as, as well. Since 2007, as you're aware, the economy uh, went to, I think, what has been dubbed the Great Recession. So not a lot of activity occurred with any projects during that time, including these large specific plan approved projects. However, back in 2012, we saw activity start to occur with the developer and its representatives coming forward and looking at ways to retool this project to make it more financially feasible in our current economic climate, um, both on a short-term and long-term basis. And back in February 2012, we did an amendment to their development agreement, which looked at the phasing of the project. Originally, excuse me, originally, all the core backbone infrastructure was to be put in up front um, of the project. However, in 2012, uh, it was approved to change it where the infrastructure and phasing of the development would occur kind of in a linear path, typical of a large you know, subdivision, where we would just proceed down instead of putting in all the core backbone infrastructure up front, it would go along with development. Um, in September 2012, there were more, I would call them technical amendments to the development agreement that were approved, changing um, some percentages of uh, owner participation approvals and also implementing what they called their internal land equalization program. In 2007, when the project was approved, that item was to come back at a later, later date. It's an internal program with the developers of how they, um, excuse me, share costs with the lands for public facilities that are dedicated. Um, but that was the more detail in there. In December, what's not noted on here is a couple other actions to go through. In December of 2013, our Board of Supervisors um, took um, direction and provided direction to staff as this project is retooling itself and looking at different ways 
which was kind of the impetus of these changes that were proposed of how we do business in terms of whether the board would be amenable or not to looking at lowering park acreage to our general plan standard of five acres per thousand, which you'll see is the proposal here, looking at ways we implement our public facilities from a full developer construct to, you know, with parks, and I'll get a little bit more detail, you know, the developer will require to construct the neighborhood parks, but pay a fee for the community parks to the county and the county assume the obligation for constructing those at the appropriate time. So with that direction from our board back in 2013, these proposed amendments came forward, which we'll walk through. One of the other items that has been accomplished in part of the original development agreement was the developer was required to, before the first development phase was approved, to uh, get their master plans approved. To date, uh, we have both the transit, sewer, and drainage master plans that have all been approved by the Board of Supervisors. Just to reiterate kind of the key goals of the applicant in terms of the proposed um, amendments that you'll see today is really from a financial perspective. Number one, to improve the project's financial overall feasibility. Um, number two, to reduce long-term maintenance costs. Um, so you'll see in some of the uh, types of uh, items that are proposed for elimination, it also uh, helps with the long-term maintenance obligations that the county would be assuming through service districts that ultimately those costs would be passed down to the property owners and residents in that area. And to retain that competitive edge with the adjacent developments such as Sierra Vista to kind of uh, get more in line with what um, that development is so they are competitive with what is going on out there. The proposed land use map for 2014 is before you. And we'll go through the key changes that, um, bear with me, I'll catch up on my slide. It's important to reiterate what's not being changed. None of uh, they're not proposing any increases in the residential unit capacity. They're still capped at the 14,132. No increase in the commercial retail or office square footage. It's still proposed at over three and a half million square feet. All school site locations will remain the same and the number of schools proposed are to remain the same. Uh, the landscape berm um, around the SPA areas is no changes proposed there, as well as the requirement that was in their original DA back in 2007 for their locust road circulation study. And we'll get into a little bit more detail on that later, but no proposed changes in those key areas. That's um, important to remember. So just jumping into what changes the developer is proposing, the first area is in the parks section. They're proposing to reduce the active park acreage from originally approved at 210 acres to 159 acres. This does meet our minimum general plan standards of five acres per thousand residents. The 159 acres um, will be a combination of three things. There'll be on-site um, park acreage as well as an in-lieu fee, which is a credit of about 18 acres that uh, is gonna be paid through an in-lieu fee, and then a credit of two acres for their uh, providing a park maintenance facility in the corporation yard. It's pretty standard of what we look at with our subdivisions, kind of some combinations there, and that's what they're proposing to meet their overall obligation. Um, how they're uh, reducing that park acreage is a number of ways. They're eliminating um, or combining with neighborhood parks, those mini parks, which are really small parks. We're looking at consolidating those kind of standalone facilities that were originally proposed for senior and youth centers into one center to provide some operational efficiencies as well that would be located in probably in the West Community Park. And that 18 acres of in-lieu fee that I mentioned earlier, 
it's really designed to partner with the school district. And you saw in your package a letter from the school district supporting um, working together um, to achieve that partnership as those school sites come on board. We have parks planned adjacent to the school sites. And how can we use that um, in lieu fee to enhance and work together and get some joint use agreements with each other to share those facilities? And it also helps um, keeping in with that goal of, you know, operational efficiencies, reducing costs, and working together. The underlying land uses that are in those, so where they're proposing to reduce a park. If I can get this to work. So if they're reducing one up here, the underlying land use would just revert back to what's surrounding it. Um, so if low density residential was surrounding it, then you'll see that low density residential is the underlying land use that would revert back. But again, no increase in units. What it does is just disperse the same amount of units over a greater area, reducing the density slightly. Get back. <laughs> and through that, as noted in your package, uh, the developer is proposing and the, our county board of supervisors was amenable to continuing and working together of creating a park district um, to ultimately assume um, the maintenance and obligation and running those park and rec programs maintaining the parks over a long-term time. This is something we'll work together um, if approved over time uh, with the county staff and applicant staff of how to form it, what type of formation, working through the LAFCO process, et cetera. Um, but it is something you'll see that, you know, to run the active rec programs, which we currently, you know, don't do in our normal model of creating this separate park district to take control of those uh, park amenities and programs out there. What this map does exhibit in the red area is just where the um, mini parks are proposed to be eliminated. So it's just more illustrative of what um, would go away. However, we do have back here the West, large West Community Park, the East Community Park. The West Community Park would be where some of our consolidated uh, facilities we would look to be putting at there. One of the other areas that we're looking at some proposed changes is in our trails, open space, and landscape median areas. The applicant is proposing to uh, replace the bike paseos or separated landscape areas with just a traditional class one bike pass. It does reduce the operational and maintenance costs um, by eliminating that landscaping. They're reducing the mileage of the class one bike pass from about 43 miles down to 35 miles, and we'll go into it and exhibit um, later. We'll show where those changes are. They're looking at narrowing the landscape meeting on Baseline Road and Watt Avenue uh, from 20 to 14 feet. This would be consistent, which in the adjacent uh, City of Roseville specific plan for Sierra Vista, it'd be consistent with what they're proposing to provide some continuity between the two developments. They're also proposing to eliminate the pedestrian overcrossing bridge to be consistent as well with the Sierra Vista plan, which was not approved subsequent to this project's approval was not approved with that condition. They're looking at um, how they achieve the reduction in um, trails as, in bike paths as eliminating some redundant paths but adding a few north-south connectors. Um, they've enhanced the multi-purpose trails providing for some increased connectivity along the outer skirts um, of the project area and they're reducing slightly the open space area from 709 acres down to about 600, 693. This map here kind of illustrates where some of those, it's a little difficult to see, but some key highlights. At the top is the before project approved back in 2007, and then the bottom is the proposed amendments. Bear with me. 
So in this area, one of the key highlights is, is when it was originally approved, there was a gap in the multi-purpose trail, or what we commonly call to our equestrian trail that's along the outskirts of the project area. The developer working with staff was able to find um, a way to, to squeeze in some trail connectivity and increase this trail connectivity all the way up to um, our Riola Vineyard specific plan that you'll be hearing later. So you'll see up here, there's an increase. There were redundant trails that were eliminated, for instance, up here, going through an open space area. We did have this trail connectivity, this trail connectivity, um, and so that was proposed to be eliminated both from a challenge of putting the, the uh, trail in there um, and from a cost perspective. However, they were able to increase, you know, one of the areas here, a north-south connector um, ability that it wasn't there before, but to be able to add that there. It is an overall reduction, but staff felt pretty comfortable that there is still um, a robust, as for lack of a better word, trail system and, and bike path system. Lastly, one of the other changes was uh, there's a five-acre parcel within the town center that's proposed to be um, changed from a high-density residential parcel, or excuse me, from a, it was a, originally a rec center parcel, and now it will go back to a high-density residential project consistent with the surrounding land uses. Again, no increase in units. It would just be dispersing otherwise those high-density residential units planned in that area across a greater land mass. And the rec center, we'd ultimately be looking to relocate that into that West Community Park in a more consolidated facility. And that is, it's up in this area. I think up here you can see it's clicker challenge today, I'm sorry. <laughs> you can see up here, it's uh, that parcel there. And it's now proposed to just be high density residential consistent what's surrounding it. We did uh, go a few times to our West Plaster Mac. Uh, and lastly, on November 12th, uh, we went for an action item with these um, proposed changes. The MAC did vote two to one to decline the applicant's uh, request. There was, and, and I think this summarizes it in a simplistic way, but there was a significant amount of discussion uh, from the members and, and, and MAC members, uh, from the audience members and MAC members, and a few key areas. Um, one of them was we had some discussion about just the drainage, drainage master plan, and how those would be implemented. Uh, one of the areas that we had significant discussion on was that locust road circulation study. While the um, applicant was not required in their uh, current DA to initiate that study until a later date, they have initiated it um, prior to this. They're under contract. Um, staff has approved the scope of work, and they're underway on it. Unfortunately, we don't have results today. I know our public works director um, is here as well, if there are questions about that to help answer any that you may have. There is also concern uh, with the reduction in trails and park acreage um, in the plan area. Um, that was talked about. We have received public correspondence and full copies um, were uh, provided to you and in your packages, kind of reiterating on these key um, elements that um, we received public comment on. There was also a letter in there, I believe, uh, regarding water and the drought, um, you know, and, and it, this project being as large as it is. The applicant is working with PCWA and, of course, you know, would have to have all adequate infrastructure in place um, to serve the project. I just wanted to clarify that. The actions that are before you today, um, just in summary, um, that we're looking uh, to seek your um, either approval or, or comments on is to adopt the addendum that's included in your package, which includes the revised mitigation and monitoring program. Um, you'll see in that that there are some changes to some of the mitigation measures, 
specifically um, to implement kind of the change in how we are looking at re potentially reducing park acreage and how to construct these public facilities from a developer construct to more of a pay a fee and the county um, will ultimately construct those facilities. We're looking to approve the amendments that we've just gone through for the specific plan and the land use and development standards that were included in your package. And lastly, we're looking um, for the material terms that were included in your package to approve for the second amended and restated development agreement that essentially memorializes all these proposed changes. There is an errata sheet that you were handed this morning that um, while looked uh, quite a, a cumbersome, it does focus in three key areas. Uh, first area is just kind of, I think, clarifying the intent of the new mitigation fees and making sure um, and of course, when you press send and you press print, you read it again and realize you probably should have been a bit more clear. And staff has worked with the applicant to come up with these proposed changes that both staff and the applicant are supportive of. But they do fall in three key areas, and certainly at your discretion, we can uh, go through those in more detail. But one of the areas is just clarifying the intent of a fee program. The, the bulk of the changes are in clarifying the intent of the park open space um, programs, making sure that what we desired is, is specifically memorialized in the agreement and how the fee programs would be implemented and used and what types of credits and reimbursements would come forward. And lastly, just to memorialize what the sewer master plan was approved recently and the list of required improvements to make sure we were consistent with each of those, there is a list of just some changes uh, to make sure we're consistent with both those documents but at your discretion, we can certainly go through them. We have representatives from our parks division here as well um, that can speak as well on those items. And with that, I think Karen might have had a couple comments. If it's turned over or no. And just to outline briefly for you what that is and what you're being charged with doing today. Um, under state law, the county is authorized to enter into a binding agreement with property owners regarding the development of property. Um, such agreements are essentially a form of what we refer to as vested rights. This commission is familiar with vested tentative maps, which vest the rights of the map for the, the term of the map. The development agreement does the same. It vests the rights that are approved for the underlying project within the development agreement for the life of the development agreement. The big distinction between a vesting tentative map and a development agreement is frankly the term. The county has historically required development agreements for specific plans uh, for one reason. Specific plans will typically take quite a few years to build out sometimes 10, sometimes 15, sometimes 20 years. The development agreement allows the parties to extend the term of the entitlements. Um, in the case of Placer Vineyards, the initial term is 20 years with two five-year extensions. Thus, both parties have a certain assurance as to what is anticipated to be developed under the terms of the development agreement and as set forth in the policy documents. 
what you're here to do today is not to make a determination as to whether it's appropriate to have a development agreement because that decision was made in 2007 with the very first one. What we're here today to do is to consider amendments to the development agreement. As Michelle mentioned, uh, there have been literally months of negotiations with members of staff and the developers to come forward with the recommended uh, development agreement that you have in your packet. The errata is to be considered as additional terms. As Michelle mentioned, some of them are very technical, and frankly, these development agreements are 80 to 90 pages long. Um, we all have been working, the developer has been working alongside with staff to go through and ensure that we have a, a, a consistent, fully vetted uh, development agreement, and in that process we found some items that we've listed on the errata. You can consider the errata to be additional terms that have been agreed to by staff and the parties, and hence we have a recommendation for approval of that. Should the, the parties raise other issues that are not within the errata, they are either issues that we've agreed to disagree on, new issues, um, and those you will have to deliberate on as they come up. There are findings that are required. Uh, state law requires that a development agreement come first to the Planning Commission for a review, and there are specific findings that are set forth in your staff report for you to consider uh, within your overall recommendations to the board. And I'll turn it back to Michelle for any comments about the, the uh, proposal. And We'll open it up for questions. And one item I forgot to mention on the parks is just to clarify kind of the roles. With the neighborhood parks and trails, the developer would be required to construct those with their, as they're coming through with uh, their specific development areas. We have, in terms of participating developers, 21 or 22, um, that would be signing development agreements. The community parks would be the one that the, they would pay a fee and the county would take over that obligation to construct commensurate with uh, service population and, and fee accumulation. I just wanted to make sure I clarified that. Sure. But with that, certainly to open it up with any questions that you may have. Uh, any questions, I've got Wayne? Question. First, I guess. Michelle, can you go back to your map? I just, it's not a critical question, but one just for sure. informational. We got a letter from SMUD expressing <laughs> some concern about their uh, high tension, high power lines that they have running through the project. Is that what that green sort of area is that's kind of going at an angle through the development? There's a few you know power line areas. This is, yeah. I think is that's that, the one that's probably that most that prominent to see. And I apologize, I'm always geographically challenged just to finding anything. I think, Kent, you might know where the other ones are. Yeah. Right there. It's, I'm sorry, it's, is it that green sort of angle that's coming? Yes, you can oh, see it's going straight, line. not angle. No, I think mm -hmm. she's mistaken. Oh, excuse me. There he is. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because they were talking about adding some power transmission lines through there in addition to what they already have. So I assume that's been accommodated in that space. It's a wide space that, I mean, they'll have an easement, of course, that they would be able to do what they can in, in those areas that would probably supersede the rights. Okay. okay. Any other questions? Let me see, I think this is probably in the original development agreement, maybe not in the errata, but I noticed that uh, within the area there's non-participating, mm -hmm. and uh, the development agreement talks about uh, the people that are non-participating 
actually having to pay in for certain improvements like roads that are adjacent to their property? How does, how does that work? For lack of a better uh, phrase, it's more of just making sure that if they come forward um, that there's a fair share and equitable distribution of costs. So we've been looking, um, you know, the developer has sunk in a significant amount of costs to get to this point. And, and we would look with those, correct me if I'm wrong, Karen, at just making sure that there's a fair share equitable portion that they would be sharing in those costs. And I think so, it's memorialized in the, in the current proposed development agreement as well. So, so it means, I guess what I'm kind of interpreted, if there might be a couple of those par parcels that come forward with proposals in the future. Correct, if, if they do. And if that's the case, then they would have to uh, buy into, per se, the improvements that have already been developed. Correct, because they would be benefiting. And that's what the purpose of that is for. Mm -hmm. So it's not the existing non-participating paper that people are going to get a bill. It's just if they make a change or get come in for a permit. I believe so. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. This is, um, Commissioner Johnson, this, this is a fairly common mechanism with the larger specific plans where you have a certain amount of property owners who, for lack of a better term, are considered participating because they've essentially um, invested in the initial entitlements for the project and there will be properties within it that, that are not part of the development agreement. Um, but that is why you have the mechanisms within it to one, make the uh, property, the developers who fronted the, the initial investment to make them whole for those who are coming after the fact. And yes, they will have to come forward. A non-participating property owner would come forward for uh, subsequent entitlements that would require amendments to specific plan, either a new development agreement or joining into this one. Uh, all those mechanisms are incorporated within the DA. And again, it's because this DA will live on with the, the project for 20 to 30 years. So it's, it's intended to capture the what if, you know, or what do we do about these subsequent owners when, if and when they're ready to develop on their own. Okay, thank you. And then, you know, probably uh, we'll be talking about Locust Road uh, later, and so, you know, probably want to have a rundown on what that uh, process is going to include, but we can go on at this point, and I'll ask the question when the time is right. There's one thing I wanted to mention, too, that um, bears remembering. Uh, this project was approved in 2007, and uh, three lawsuits ensued challenging the entitlements. And as a result, um, basically time stopped for this development. Um, and it was the lawsuits, the final lawsuits were settled in 2012 when we went to the board and some members of the commission may remember we came forward with changes to the biological resources provisions. That was the settlement of the final lawsuit. Under the DA, there is a provision that allows the property owners to toll, in other words, stop in time, the term of the development agreement running because, frankly, when they're in the middle of a lawsuit, not much is going to happen until you finish your lawsuit. CEQA lawsuits typically take a good amount of time to settle. Um, that period of time is not unusual. So this project, in essence, stopped in time, the term of the agreement told. So many of the provisions you'll find in the DA that said you will do this, you will do that, they're still in place, but they may not have been triggered because nothing was happening during this period of the lawsuit. So that they would then trigger when the final approval took place? 
Well, they'll trigger now depending, I mean, we can go into several of them. Uh, various provisions have various triggers. Um, those, unless we have amended them, uh, those triggers are in place. Some triggers have changed. But I think what I'm saying is if the trigger didn't change, the trigger is still there. It's just that, that it didn't. It didn't commence because yeah. the trigger didn't trigger, for lack of a better term. <laughs> <laughs> so we, it actually didn't, the countdown didn't start. So it, yeah. uh, another question I have, if I'm not interrupting anyone else here, uh, if as they go through this, the future years, assuming they do, and a specific parcel, let's say for the sake of discussion, was shown to have. Uh, uh, single-family homes or apartments on it, something like that. And at that, at the time they finally get around to developing it, <clears throat> they decide that they want to put condominiums on it or something else. Do they have to come back here to vest that, or is it is that negotiable? Oh, you're going to love my answer. <laughs> it depends. Um, <laughs> there are provisions in the specific plan which allow for review. <laughs> of amendments. There are certain amendments that are considered to be, um, I can't think of the term offhand, but they're, they're not <coughs> major amendments. Administrative Thank you. Administrative modifications uh, that can be made on a staff level. Some will be considered to be subsequent entitlements that are subject to further review, including CEQA review. One of the instruments that this uh, particular project has is an implementation and procedures manual. Mm -hmm. And that was approved by the board, and it's actually a very handy manual that allows for uh, planning staff to walk down any request that comes through, and it provides a template of where does it fit within the amendment categories. So I can't give you an answer to that, but there is a mechanism in both the specific plan, the implementation procedures manual, and the DA for addressing anybody that comes back with a change. Well, typically the neighbors say that's devaluing my property or whatever the case may be because that's not what I thought was a consistent use. And I guess is there is there a hearing for that or is it just an administrative thing at the planning department? It would depend on what they were requesting. There are certain, and that, that's the function of a specific plan. A specific plan is, is essentially, remember your hierarchy, you have your general plan, then you have your community plans, but you also have specific plans. The specific plan is the template for development within the boundaries of that plan for the life of the plan. So the initial land use categories and design is what was approved in 2007. You now have an amendment in front of you with respect to the various changes that Michelle has outlined. Um, you will be looking at the policy decision on those amendments. In terms of individual property owners, for example, if one of these parcels uh, is now has a land use category for low density and brings in a map, that would not go to public hearing again because the public hearing on the low density use has already been vetted in front of the planning commission and the board and the approval has been made. And that's what, how a specific plan functions. With those categories in place, anything that's consistent with those categories and the development standards that are provided in the specific plan would most likely be considered an administrative modification. modification. 
Uh, I mean, if it was a minor modification of that. If it's consistent, it would simply move through the process. Okay. If, on the other hand, somebody instead of the low density residential said, you know what, I want to do a mini mall out there. Mm. That's a land use change that was not contemplated, not brought before hearing. If that applicant wanted to go forward, that would be an amendment and it would be brought forward similar to this process here. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. the, uh, I have one more quick question. Richard, unless you wanted to ask. No, go ahead. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think this is probably spelled out someplace in this pile of documents pretty clearly, but at any rate, uh, you know, I think uh, that, like there's going to be a sheriff substation. There's going to be a, a major uh, arterial road mm -hmm. and maybe some collector roads that uh, at some point in time, as the individual developers come forward, uh, those will have to come into play. Uh, how's that determined? And It's outlined in the DA. The developers required to what we call an initial offer dedication um, for those public facility sites. And as they're for instance, the sheriff's substation, that's one of the elements that we're looking at, uh, the developer paying a fee, and as that incremental fee um, is accumulated commensurate with the population increase, then we would look to constructing those types of facilities. Um, the collector, main major thoroughfares, things like that, we would look, be looking under that development phase category um, that was approved back in 2012 with each individual developer that comes forward of what the appropriate and proportional types of um, improvements that they would need not only to serve their development but potentially provide some continuity toward, you know, as they grow along. But we would analyze that with each development um, individual property owner that comes forward and require them uh, to uh, construct those. And their phasing plan for those development phases do come back to planning commission. Hopefully okay. that answers your uh, question. But it's a process that we'd be looking at. So I guess when when it's time for a sheriff's substation to come forward, uh, the money will be collected and sitting there for the construction of it. Correct. And so is, it, what, is the sheriff going to say we need it now? or? Well, we, I mean, it, we look to service population levels. They'll be paying both an operational fee for um, the staffing um, and equipment and both a facility fee for the, the, the actual construction of the facility. So they'll... The ongoing operational fees will be there to support the level of sheriff service that's necessary. And then when we accumulate enough fees and, and when the desired time for those facilities to be constructed, we'd be utilizing that pot of fees to construct the facilities. But the land for those facilities would have already been um, offered for dedication up front. Um, so the land's set aside. Okay, so I guess, I guess what I'm technical. kind of struggling with is, you know, how this develops, you know, I mean, there's a major arterial road that uh, runs through. It looks like it's a four-lane road through the uh, area. And so uh, individual developers are going to uh, be required to put in part of that road, but you're going to have a road kind of uh, to nowhere? Or is, okay. What point is that going to be constructed all the way through? I think we'd be looking at with each development phase, which it can either be an individual developer or a group. Typically it's you know a group so that they can of share the costs and make it more financially feasible but we'd be looking for both permanent facilities or improvements and temporary to probably mitigate what you're mentioning you don't want a road to just dead end and how does that transition and with each development phase we'll be looking at those components to make sure it's planned appropriately but those phasing plans would also be coming back to the planning commission for your review if that technically answers it. 
Okay, so what you're saying is that comes back to the Planning Commission then with the first project. Mm -hmm. And they'll lay out with the first phase kind of the network of the types of improvements that would be needed to serve the sewer, water, drainage, roads. Um, it's quite an extensive look at that to make sure it functions appropriately. But it does combine both permanent and temporary facilities. We look at public facilities. Is it necessary to provide connections to the park? You know, what parks do they need to build, et cetera? So we do vet that later. Much, much of what we're talking about here is already a part of the original approval. Correct. So we're, what we're really talking about today is just the variation from the original approval to what's being proposed today. So that, that, that one issue may not change from what's already approved. It's, but it's good to know how it works. Well, I think uh, the, the fee collection is, uh, is a change that we're listen, listening about today. So some of the things uh, like the sheriff substation and the parks and that kind of stuff are all not, uh, not built structures, but there are fees that are being collected to do those. Correct. It yeah. was a change in direction that we received uh, for our board to investigate back in December of 2013. You know, part of the facilities such as neighborhood parks and trail, this developer would still be obligated to construct with each development phase that comes forward. But those other types of public amenities where maybe the service populations have an increased commensurate, those are where we're proposing to collect the fees. And ultimately, when it's the appropriate level um, and desire for those types of improvement, then the county would assume that obligation to construct versus the original DA where the developer was required to construct mm -hmm. all those facilities. Okay, thank you. That's a complex topic. We'll probably hear some more about it, but thank you. Thank you. Me? Uh, since Lotus Road is, seems to be a very sensitive issue to the neighbors, I really kind of want to understand that a little bit more and what's sort of being proposed or what's worked on. If we could hear from Mr. Graham about that and what the status is, I'd appreciate it. <laughs> Good morning, Mr. Graham. Yeah. Good morning, Commissioners. Uh, my name is Ken Grimm, Department of Public Works. And the Locust Road study, I, I believe, I wasn't here when the, the project was originally approved. But at that time, there were concerns with folks that lived to the west of the plan area that Locust Road, they were concerned about traffic increasing. Locust Road con currently goes all the way from Baseline Road and continues down into Sacramento County. With the plan area, many more homes, it does cut through the portion, that portion off to the west. The concern was traffic was, gonna, was going to increase dramatically. The board at that time, and even before that time, through discussions, had agreed that, hey, we want to take a look and see whether the possibility we can close that road. And I think they, the indications at that time that they really wanted to close the road, it had not been reviewed. No one really knew what the impacts of that was, and so they agreed to do this study. It was made part of the development agreement. In fact, I think it reads that before they can uh, approve any improvement plans for any phased improvement, the applicant has to do this study. And so they have back about six, eight weeks ago, they have approached us. We have approved uh, a scope of work for a traffic study, and that study is, is commencing. I think what I expect to see happen is what happens when that road closed? When that road closes, that traffic that would have gone down Locust Road will now go elsewhere. And so we need to identify our, where will that traffic go and will it lead to any additional impacts. If it does lead to some additional impacts, then the discussion is going to be what can we do to mitigate those impacts. 
And the board then and your commission would be able to decide whether those are uh, impacts we can live with or whether they're mitigations that we want to impose on the developer. I think that's going to be the process. I think at this point we're probably not going to see a draft study until towards the end of January. If there aren't any issues, well, then it's probably a much simpler question. If there aren't any impacts, then people can approve that. The board, would board and your commission would have the ability to approve those changes to the specific plan. If there are some impacts, then there will be a discussion about what those impacts and are we willing to mitigate those. And again, it'll be a decision that your commission and the board gets to make at that time. I'm assuming if, if the road is closed that the alternative route is, uh, I think it's called uh, West Town Center. Uh, kind of runs east and west through right there. here and I assume that that would be sort of the main arterial into that area and it looks like that's the only uh, road in there other than a Lotus Road that would be within the development if Locust Road were to be closed kind of up in this area that the intent is it would be closed at one point so the people that live north of the specific plan area in this special planning area that currently exists today, they will go towards the north, towards baseline to get access in and out. People within the specific plan will be able to go to the east and get to that Dyer, West Dyer Road, but they could also still proceed southward into Sacramento County. Uh, I think the intent here is not to close the entire road, it's to put a, for lack of a better word, a, a, we're not going to put a gate, but we're going to put a, something that stops the traffic right there at the border of Placer Vineyards and this existing residential area. We'll not allow people to cross, but people can still on both sides, the people on the north can use it going north and the people in the south can use it going south. They just can't cross that. So point. it would be on the north end of the, that project is where the, oh. Where oh. the stop would be, uh, right, at the, at the top end. Uh, so towards Sacramento. Right there. Was, that would still be open going down, heading okay. south. So from Flasser Vineyards south into Sacramento would be open. Then there would be a gap in the road right at the property line with that existing community. Folks north of there would go towards baseline. Wouldn't, um, wouldn't you want uh, a gate there for emergency purposes with a Knox lock on it? I think there's a lot of things that will be discussed. I know at the, at the MAC meeting we also talked about would people be okay with it being open for pedestrian, bicycle traffic. I think those would probably be very good things. Um, but we're, today we're not trying to consider that. Today the focus is are there any impacts? Can we close it? Where will that traffic go? And is everybody okay with that? Okay. One more question that's related to that. Uh, <clears throat> just to the south of the north part, there's an east-west road in there that uh, seems to dead end at the end of the specific plan. Is that over on the, the west end over there? Yeah, and it shows an arrow on the uh, previous plan map. It doesn't show an arrow. Is that going to, it sounds like it's being looked at by the county. Is that going to be part of the analysis here, uh, connecting that with, I presume, Pleasant Grove Road? I, I think there's a desire to do that, but it's outside some of our purview areas. Some of that may be in Sacramento County, uh, and there is no road there today. Could that be part of the study? I think where we would start is just saying what happens when we close the road? Where will traffic go? And if traffic can be accommodated with simply that change, that would be the end of the study, I would imagine. If there are impacts, you know, one of the possible mitigations is to create some alternate connection. 
And if that connection wasn't part of the original plan, that might be a way of mitigating the concern. Hate to jump to that point. I think it's a possible mitigation if something is even required. There, are, there is traffic proposed to be on Locust Road in the cumulative condition. It's, you know, it's thousands of cars. But in the scope of all the traffic here, I get that people may not want to see it, but I'm not sure intuitively if I expect there to be a major significant impact elsewhere. But until the study's done, I can't state that. Um, but we're hoping that it will be a pretty simple endeavor, but it may not be. And, if, and we are committed regardless to come back to the community and everyone to share the results. And if there are impacts, we will discuss those impacts and what we can do about them. Okay. Thank you. One last, last question. Wayne? Is um, the developers receptive to closing the road? Um, and I know this is, you know, before your study, but are you apparently are open to the possibility of, of shutting off the road there as long as there's alternative uh, means of access? Sure. I assume. You know, to answer appropriate, I'd say, as an engineer, I love to have more road connections. That gives us more options. And I, I, you know, when all sorts of things can happen and there's accidents, you have more options. I don't think that's where the decision's going to be made here. Here, I think the board was, was clear that they were supportive if it could work. And so I see our role as to showing, will it work and how will it work? And then people can decide, are they willing to live with those Impacts or non-impacts, depending on what the study shows. Okay. Thank you. Any other questions? Thank you, Ken. You're welcome. Are you going to stay for a little while? Or? I will be here in yeah. case there's any more questions. Okay, that'll be great. Okay, I think at this point, if there's no other questions, the staff will turn to the applicant and offer them a microphone and a opportunity to present their side of the project. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, members of the Commission. Tim Terran, I'm here on behalf of the Placer Vineyard Owners Group. Oops. Kent McDiarmid is here, who's the project manager for the, for the plan area. Um, Mike Smith, who's with McCann Soft Civil Engineers, is here. We have a whole bunch of our owners here, too. I won't bother introducing all of them. Um, so um, we spoke at, a, at your last workshop and encouraged you to support the staff recommendation and move this forward to the board. We reiterate that request today. We hope you will support the staff recommendation and approve the, um, the application. Um, just a couple of comments. First of all, on parks and trails, the parks and trails as originally designed, well, let me take a step back. One of the major considerations on parks and trails is that the future homeowners and business owners in this community will need to pay to maintain them. And one of the things that we saw about the 2007 approvals was that the way the parks and trails were designed was not efficient and was going to cost a whole lot of money, much more money than probably was feasible to maintain and operate. And so the changes in the parks and trails that are before you today for the most part are really just an effort to make the park and trail system much more efficient to operate and maintain in the future so that the costs don't become burdensome on future homeowners and business owners. That's number one. Um, there was a comment about SMUD. Uh, I, I can address that pretty easily. Every time a tentative map come through, which you will see, 
SMUD will look at that map and make sure that their separation requirements have been maintained. So that's really an implementation design. And I think SMUD's just putting you on notice that you're going to hear from us again, and we know that that's part of the, the normal process for, for SMUD. Um, there was a comment about or a question about how infrastructure will be installed in a way that won't leave dead end roads, for example. Your staff has been very, very uh, good and insistent about requiring that we constantly show phasing details as this project builds out so that all properties will be efficiently served and all infrastructure will be constructed in logical uh, increments. So there aren't dead end roads, uh, water systems are looped, there's two points of access, those kinds of things. So the development agreement includes, as well as a specific plan, but primarily the development agreement, includes very stringent phasing requirements. Finally, Locust Road. Um, uh, I think it was said, but we, we are, uh, our obligation under the original approvals, and, the, and that's not changing, is to fund the study and get it done so that the uh, board, you and the board can make a decision. We do not have a position one way or the other on whether it should be closed. It's not for us to, to suggest. We, we have now started that study. Uh, it didn't start earlier primarily because of the lawsuits and the recession. And it wasn't really until about two years ago that this project really geared up again. And um, when this issue came to our attention six, eight months ago, whatever it was, that's when we immediately started discussions with the county to, to get this study scoped and our funding underway to get it done. So that's all I have. I'd like to, by the way, thank your staff again, as I did the last meeting, um, your entire staff for all the diligent, very hard work that they've done to get us to this point. We're very excited because we think with this round of amendments, we're going to be in a position to actually start construction. There's a lot of work to do before we start construction, probably still a year and a half away. But without these, we can't do it. With these, we think we can. So with that, be happy to answer any questions. And Mr. Chairman, I'd like to perhaps reserve the opportunity to respond to some public comment. If there's public comment, it may not be necessary, but okay. I'd like to reserve that opportunity. We Thank might you. just have another question or two for you. Is there any, anyone that has any at this time? I have one question. Sure. If you could stand here and look in your little rose ball, right. when do you think the west end of this project would likely develop? That's a really good question. <laughs> um, uh, just based on my experience, I, I think it's 10 to 15 years away. Okay. Um, it may be as much as 20 years away. Um, unless somebody really has a special need to extend the infrastructure that far, because you know the infrastructure is really coming mostly from east to west. So it could happen earlier. I mean, I never say never. But 10 to 15 years would be, I think, a reasonable estimate, maybe longer. Okay. Well, the reason, I, obviously, the reason I asked the question is it, it also gives both the people that live out there in the county further opportunities through time to maybe alleviate issues that are a problem. Well, sure. Today. Now, I want to say our first phase, which is actually has been submitted, includes some properties towards the west end. It's not just the east end. It includes some properties over on that west end. But if you, if you really wanted to ask if, um, let me get my little pointer out here. I know how to work this one. If you wanted to talk about this area here, I think that's the area I'm saying 
Kent, is that a fair comment? That's that's a long, that's quite some time away. Okay. 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 Well, I, I wasn't trying to. No, I understand. But I just trying to create an attitude here. But I, unfortunately, or fortunately, I have been around long enough that I have actually seen projects that started and finished 25 years later. And I've seen, and actually even then they're not completely finished because there's still some infill pieces. Uh, we were talking about this the other day, uh, a couple of, a client of mine and I said that started a project 25 years ago and it's almost done, um, <laughs> believe it or not. But it takes that long for these projects to actually build out. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Uh, I'd love, what I'd like to do now, if it's uh, appropriate, is to offer the microphone to, at first, anyone that's representing groups of people, if there is such a, a, a person out there. And those people have uh, five minutes to speak as a limit. And if any of you choose to speak individually, I would like you to limit your comments to three minutes, if you would. And we'll, you'll notice a little blinking thing in front of you. And so when it finally turns red, I suggest you try to be, abbreviate the rest of your conversation. At any rate, I'd like to welcome you up and invite you to come comment if you choose to. And give us your name, clearly. And uh, You'll forgive me. I'm going to use my notes. Um, <laughs> my name is Kelly Welty, and I live at 8815 Elwyn Avenue in Alberta. And El Elwyn Avenue is South Locust. So I am, my neighborhood is the neighborhood that will be impacted by the redirection of traffic. And um, we're low density, um, ag rural, agriculture, um, residential area. And so I have a few, several of my neighbors are here with me today. And I just wanna talk, share some of my concerns. Um, the desire that my neighborhood not be subjected to increased traffic volume as a result of the Placer Vineyards development, um, which currently all of the traffic um, will be from that area, that western area, if, if it goes as follows. And even, even without the, the closure of that road, it would still be directed my direction, our direction, South Locust. Um, we actually live just across the Sacramento-Placer County line. Um, according to Sacramento County right and community development, um, in my discussions with them, there's, they, have no, um, they had no knowledge of it being such, such a busy area, such a, become such a busy road. Um, and there are plenty of other ways that they can go. One that was mentioned was the town center road and then the 18th street and our thought is that we would really like to have it closed off at our end as well um, and make locust you could find different areas different ways to use that land of that of that road but we would like to have locust closed off to traffic both directions um, and i let's see There's, okay, I already mentioned the several, the several roads that could be used. And I just thought of, in my experience, I remember 
um, having roads closed that have been used between Sacramento County and I remember having to travel from school to school and using Cook Riolo Road. And there came a time when that road was closed at the Placer Sacramento County line. I had to find a different way to go. That's, um, and so I don't think it would be that inconvenient. And another concern is that we do have um, Alpha Middle School, which is just south of the Placer Sacramento County line, which is right on Elwyn, which is rather busy. And um, I hope that you'll listen to us and that you'll um, think about that, because I, I really feel it will not impact the development if it's closed at both sites. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you. Hello, my name is Isaac Garcia. I live on uh, 319 Los Garcias Lane. It's uh, a little point out. I represent my grandfather, Joseph M. Garcia, my grandmother, Esperanza Garcia. They live in 9030 Alwyn, right in the front of uh, Alwyn. That turns into Locust. And Greg and Eleanor Garcia, and uh, Mondo and Dorothy Garcia. We all live on Los Garcias Lake. And we agree with uh, my neighbor here about the increased traffic. So I just wanted to state that. Thank okay, you. Okay, thank you. Anyone like to be next? Uh, Lou Mitchell, um, I reside on Watt Avenue about 100 feet south of Placid Border, which uh, is adjoins to the Cook Riolo and also connects to the Placid Vineyards. And I, I'm speaking today because the traffic level due to construction that's already begun in the Cook Riolo and farther north in West, West Placer County has increased dramatically to the point where uh, extremely difficult for me to get out in or out of my driveway safely. So um, the developers are talking about phasing in that main artery, the, which you referred to as the road to nowhere. Well, when I first moved there in 2012, it's kind of what it was. There was no destination north of me on Watt Avenue, the baseline. Now there is, and I'm looking at end dumps and cement mixers and doing 45, 50 miles an hour across my driveway. And uh, also right there at the county line, I don't know you'd call it a small hill or a berm, creates a blind spot. I cannot see northbound or north or southbound beyond there. And I'm only 100 feet from that. So getting out of my driveway is uh, very dangerous. And I also have concerns about water. I'm on a well. You know, you guys are going to put in a bunch of water wells, and I'm going to have to chase my well down to keep water on my property. Or, what's the future of my property? Where will I egress? How am I going to egress onto a four-lane, six-lane road? These are some of the questions I need to know. I'd like to know uh, if you guys could help me out with that. Okay, thank you, Lou. It's my understanding that this project is operating will operate off of surface water. Isn't that the case? Which won't, so there won't be wells as part of the project. So you should not be affected, at least in that area. <laughs> Would anyone else care to come forward? Sure. I'm uh, 
Bruce Greco, and I'm, I'm representing my neighborhood, so I'd like five minutes. Um, I'm in the, the microphone. There we go. I'm in the the spa area that is um, right here. This is my neighborhood. Uh -huh. um, so the community there has rejected the proposed amendment and our MAC board has rejected the proposed amendment as said earlier during the presentation. And it, it really relates to the extreme decrease in park acreage uh, as well as the class one trail system, the reduction in, in miles of that. Um, if you look at uh, the changes in the parks that have occurred just, you know, near our neighborhood. You know, there's, there's this park that's gone, there's this park that's gone, there's this park that's gone, and there's that park that's gone. So the four closest parks to our neighborhood are gone. And those parks are not, they're, they're part of, you know, they're in the middle of neighborhoods that are yet to be built, basically. I mean, so those parks are gone from these new homes also. And then if you look at the, the class one trail diagrams, you know, we were promised in 07, you know, good access to the trail system of the development. And we had class one trails, you know, one trail, two trails, three trails, four trails leading into the system from our border of my neighborhood. And then with the revisions, we just have one trail leading from my neighborhood into the development. And you know, those type of changes we just feel are are too extreme. Though we are we are completely open to to working with Placer County planning staff and a develop developer to come up with a happy you know median. You know, one example is you know three trails here on our border are removed as part of the proposed amendment. You know, a solution from our end is well with this part of this locust road closure where there's going to be the closure of the road but some sort of a barrier or gate that allows emergency vehicles to go through there. So there's, there's going to be, we have buffers surrounding us with a berm, so there's going to be a break in the berm there anyway for this emergency vehicle access. That's a perfect place to have a class one trail that would head and join up with this other trail system that they're building. And so in that region right there, you, you can remove three trails, you can replace it with one, and that reason I just gave them uh, a 66% reduction in trail mileage in that region. So we're happy to, to work with a developer and come up with, with a plan that isn't quite so drastic, that involves changes that allow them to reduce total acreage of parks and total miles of trails and is more of a happy medium and has our input so that Changes that can be made aren't as drastic because maybe things are just switched in location and serve our needs and allow them to have their needs of reduction in total mileage or total acreage. Oh, I'm running out of time. I got to run on to a topic that to me is very critical. As was presented in, in the presentations with the slides, I wish I could flip through them, but it has been told to the Board of Supervisors that what they were look sorry, what they were looking at was a change of 6.2 acres per 1,000 residents as far as acres of, of parks. 
and they were asked to to go to the county minimum of five acres and so about a year ago they make the county is amenable i don't know if i'm pronouncing it right amenable to a reduction of Avatic parks facilities from 6.2 acres per 1,000 residents to the county's general plan standard of five acres per 1,000 residents was basically the, the minimum. So they're asked to go from 6.2 to five acres per 1,000, and the 6.2 figure is in no way accurate. It, uh, the only way to come up with 159 acres for the proposed amendment reaching this, this five acres per 1,000 residents is basically to exclude the population of the spa area, the special planning area. So I have, um, if you look on table 3-4 of the original Plaza Vineyard specific plan, I'm gonna have eight seconds left, hoping you'll let me finish. It lists there the estimated population is 32,000 814 and the special planning area population is listed as sorry I should put on my glasses 1028 and so when you subtract the spa area population from the total population listed you basically this is the number 3000 or 31786 and so this is the number that they use to compute the um, meeting the requirement of five acres per 1,000 residents. So it's 159 acres of active park and then proposed amendment divided by this population number and you get 5.00 per 1,000 residents. So that's where the five comes from. But if you're gonna use this population number with this proposed acreage, then you need to use the same population number with the original acreage, and the original acreage is listed as 210. It was on like, I don't know if it was slide number two or whatever that you put up. Um, and it's listed in table 3-2 of the Placer Vineyard Specific Plan that the parks have an acreage of 210 acreage. Uh, you're welcome to look at these if you want me to bring them up to you. So if you use the same population number and you use 210 acres, you come up with 6.6 .6 acres per 1,000 residents, not 6.2 acres per 1,000 residents. And, you know, we're going from 5 to 6.6. .6. It's not 5 to 6.2. And you guys have been handed the same, the same numbers. We saw it on one of the slides. They, if she wants to bring it up, it says 6.2 acres as existing. So you look at the maps. Um, from 2007, and whether it's you or it's the Board of Supervisors, and in the case of the Board of Supervisors, it's a year ago, they're looking at this map, they're looking at the dark green, which indicates these parks, and they're told that represents 6.2 acres per 1,000 residents. And then they're asked, are you willing to go, accept the amendment, to go down the five acres thousand residents so they're thinking 6.2 to 5 they're looking at the earth thinking, mm, well I really don't want to go that far but you know we're having financial problems okay and what would be their decision if in fact they were presented with the correct information and they knew that you know these dark green spots indicate all the 
the parks that didn't represent 6.2, it represented 6.6 .6 acres per thousand residents. And they were asked to still go down that greater jump down to five acres per thousand residents. Their decision then may have been different. They may not have made that motion that they were, you know, a motion that said they were willing to go to from 6.6 .6 to five. They may not have said that because they were asked to go from 6.2 to five. And I think this is all straightforward numbers and it's a critical, it's a critical aspect of this, okay. this proposal. I don't, does anyone have any questions for me just to re, why don't say we, I'm wrong in some manner? Why don't we let this question stand and we'll maybe get an answer at some point later on. Like, Thank you. Like today? Yeah. <laughs> we'll, I just, we'll ask the question at some point. Okay. I, I, I just, I would personally like, um, after it's proven that my figures are all right, that there's a formal email letter sent to all of the different district supervisors making them aware of this, making that, you know, telling them how it might have influenced their decision a year ago to even start this process. Um, and I'd like to copy of that so that I can follow up and make sure that they receive the proper information. I feel the only legitimate thing to do at this point, the only honorable thing to do is to, I've expressed the willingness for the community to work with the developer and planning as far as finding a happy medium, um, I just don't think you should approve the proposal as is with this incorrect information of 6.2 versus 6.6. .6. And I don't really know how the process, I just don't want a surprise where all of a sudden, two days before the Board of Supervisors are gonna meet, that's my first opportunity to see that it's even on the agenda and then I have to try and scramble and address this and the 187 pages of staff reports on this is only available to me, the public, a week before today. And so, you know, I don't even get the opportunity to see these numbers or address these things. You know, this is, this right here is the extent of the, the text that is provided to the MAC board and it represents 187 pages of information. Okay. Thank you, thank you very thank much you for your time. And I want to thank Ken for the Locust Road stuff once he knew our concerns and he got on board and once the developer put the money up for the study, he's been wonderful and we appreciate his efforts on figuring out the best way to close Locust Road. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you. Did anyone else care to come comment? My name is Bob Slakey. I own property uh, just north of Baseline. And just a question, what is the plan for widening Baseline and Rego Road? Would you say that again, please? I'm sorry, I didn't hear what, you. What's the plan for widening Rego Road and Baseline in the course of this development? Okay. Okay, well, staff, do you want to tackle that? Is that, is there? Address that, Ken? Ken, yeah, well, if you want. So as part of the project, the, the development will widen all of Baseline Road throughout the county. And in, and in conjunction with the city of Roseville that also has some development going on on the north side of the roadway, particularly between Watt and Fittiman. Uh, the timing of all of those improvements are, are gonna be based on the development phasing that the applicant puts forward. 
They are required by the development agreement to show what they're going to build, and there will be an analysis to make sure that baseline gets built in an orderly fashion, most likely from east to west, uh, most likely going from four lanes and then eventually to six lanes. It is meant to be six lanes. So that's within the county. There are also provisions for the development to pay for some improvements in Sutter County, particularly intersection and lighting or signal lighting improvements at Pleasant Grove South, Pleasant Grove North, and Natomas Road, I believe it's called. Uh, so those three intersections are also getting improved. And then we are participating in the cost of the interchange at Riego and Highway 99. So that really, so in Sutter County, we're, we're, we're working on three intersections and we're participating in the cost of the interchange. Us with the city of Roseville will be phasing the improvements along baseline uh, throughout the life of the project. It won't happen all at once. That's a huge project, I think 60 million or so. It will occur over time as the development needs it. Okay, thank you, Ken. Would anyone else care to come forward? Good morning, my name is Stephanie Davis. I live in on Watt Avenue in Sacramento County. We're located right at the end of the arrow where BRT will eventually be. And my question is, when will Watt Avenue be, uh, what phase will it be expanded to four lanes because it will directly impact my home? Okay. I think what we'll do is wait for the rest of these questions so you don't have to get up every time. We'll, get, we'll get it answered though. Additionally, um, I think it's wonderful that the staff is working with the developer. I'd like to know who's going to work with the residents. Okay. Thank you. Anyone else? Seeing, oh, here comes a lady. She's not leaving, is she? No. Good morning, Commission, board members, staff, developers, and applicant. My name is Tammy Fair. I am the granddaughter of Ralph Hertel, H-E-R-T-E-L. Many of you may know him. He's first-generation American, born and raised in Nebraska, got a college degree, moved out to California to be a school teacher. That didn't last very long. He sent for his father. They sold the farm, they came out to California, and they bought land. Not just little land. They bought whole city blocks. Then they made money. They bought 500 acres, 1,000 acres, 2,000 acres, it didn't matter. They, bought, they made small little single family homes, small commercial real estate space. They made money. They helped develop Sacramento County, Yolo County, Placer County, El Dorado County, Nevada County, Sutter County, they bought tracts of land on Rielinda Boulevard, Lemon Hill, Bell, Elkhorn, Alberta Road. They knew what it was like to be a good steward of the land, what it was to be like to put up 10 houses to an acre, even ag land, one, two, five acres. They knew what it was like to have something for everyone. Now, I've moved out to Alberta Road and, El and I am, live on Elwyn Avenue across from the school. 
from the paperwork that I have seen on Exhibit 3.6.1, 18th Avenue is a poor representation, whether it's, is it really a two to a four? Is it a four to a six? I've seen, from what I've seen, is not that clear. Landscapes and berms and buffers. I've heard the term low density usage. I've not heard ag land. We're good stewards of this land, whether it's north and west or whether it's south and west. Don't dump that road down to the south. I, I see cars dumped there all the time, boats dumped there, trailers set on fire. This is rural land we're talking about, quiet people. Let's say that you live on Maple Glen, Rockwood Road, Landham Lane, and La Sierra decides they're going to put in a stoplight. Do you let that stoplight go through? No. You put up a stop so that traffic has to either go east or west on Arden Way. I propose not to take away your fees, and I don't want you to stop what you're doing, but I request that you, because you're creating a brand new road, move the movement of that road out to Rulinda Boulevard. And the reason why I say this, because of the fact that L1 Avenue has not a single commercial business on it, not a single retail storefront. You have small business owners on Rialinda Boulevard that would welcome the opportunity to expand their business and you would welcome those that live south in Sacramento County to keep their peace and quiet and their, and their very rural way of living for our next generation. Thank you very much. And Ken, I really would like to talk to you. So we'll talk later. Thank you very much. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay, seeing no one else come forward, then we'll close off the public comment and, and offer the rebuttal to the applicant if they'd care to. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, members of the commission. Uh, Tim Tarrant again. Uh, just a few comments. First of all, on um, especially with regard to Locust Road and the Alberta residents, um, uh, again, I'll say we will support uh, the, the the applicants support whatever you and the board decide to do with Locust Road, north or south. Um, that will be the results of that study and a decision. We will support that. Um, second, with respect to the Watt Avenue residents that spoke, this amendment is not changing anything that was that, uh, regarding Watt Avenue that uh, was approved in the 2007 plan. So whatever is happening on Watt Avenue is happening as a result of the 2007 approval, not because of any amendment that we're requesting of you today. And finally, with respect to Mr. Greco's comments, especially about the parks, this is a very curious situation because um, those, the parks in the plan are open to the public, and that mean, includes members of the uh, residents of the SPA. But those parks were not designed to serve residents of the SPA. The SPA came forward in 2007 and said, we don't want to be any part of this plan. They were designed, the parks and the trail system were designed to serve the residents of the urbanizing area of Placer Vineyards. Um, and I will note that the SPA is not paying for their construction and not paying for the maintenance of those parks. Now that said, um, we were instructed in 2007 to make that berm 
a solid berm and no connections to the SPA. Uh, there were never any trail connections, with one major exception, which I'll, I'll note in a minute, to that trail system. Uh, if, if they want those connections someday, all that has to be done is breaks in the, in the spa, in the, um, in the, uh, the berm need to be, be made so those connections can be made. Now, the one important exception here is the multi-use trail, which is um, the trail that goes all the way around the southern boundary of the project. That in 2007, that actually, um, the SPA folks wanted that trail for equestrian uses, and so we designed it to be a multi-use trail accessible to the SPA and their residents, as well as our plan area residents, and um, uh, conducive to uh, equestrian use as well as jogging and walking and, and uh, mountain biking. Um, uh, the, uh, that trail we have improved as a result of this amendment, as I think staff pointed out to you, because there was a break in that trail right around this area, which we've been able to overcome, and we now showing, and that's kind of in this amendment, that, that trail will go all the way to Gibson Ranch and actually beyond. So that trail is actually being improved for the benefit of not only of the urban residents but the SPA residents. So um, for the reasons that I mentioned before regarding the, the, the efficiency of the parks plus the comments I just made, I think the park uh, amendments are well thought out and, and actually necessary. And I won't mention one other thing. We really don't understand the argument regarding the acreage of, or the 6.2, 6.7 to 5. I'm not even sure it's relevant because the important thing was, and what we asked the board for, and the board gave direction to staff and to us, that they were okay with us going to five acres per thousand, which is your general plan standard. Regardless of where we started from, we were going to five acres per thousand. That was clear, and that's what this amendment represents. Okay? So those are my comments. I'd be happy to answer any questions if you have any. Any Thank questions? You. I have one. Yes, Senator. Um, do you have any idea how many homes we're talking about on that west end, which would be by that loca, uh, locust? I, I don't, uh, not off the top of my head. There's low density and, and uh, medium density on that end. I, what I'm trying to understand is if now you have residents on the south wanting the road closed, you sort of make that, unless there's an, a western access sure. out, you make that a big cul-de-sac. And so I'm trying to figure out, okay, how many homes, residents, does that impact? I don't even know if the scope of the study that Mr. Graham is conducting includes closure on the south. So uh, I can't answer that question other than I know, yeah, those are all low density here. And as you can see, there's a lot of open space right. uh, here. But uh, I can't give you a number. Maybe someone else in my team can, but I can't. Okay. I would like to hear from Ken. Okay. Well, let's uh, see if anyone else has additional questions here. Questions? Okay, this may be a question for staff. Richard? In the, in the uh, documentation in relationship to parks, I see a, a figure that says 100, 150 acres. 159 acres, yes. Well, it's, it, in some of the tables it talks about 150 acres, and then there's uh, 18 acres of... Yes. Uh, in lieu. In lieu, and yes. then there's... Two acres. Yeah, the two yeah. acres is a credit because we're donating, grant, dedicating the land for the park maintenance facility. We're getting credit for that. The 18 acres, let me explain there. Um, there are joint proposed joint use parks with the schools here. 
So every school site is proposed that about two acres of those school sites will be park that's open to the public. So instead of asking for more acres, we are instead paying an in lieu fee equivalent to 18 acres, nine school sites times two acres, 18 acres of developed parkland, that's fully developed parkland, we'll be paying that in cash so that the, city, the, the, the county and the school districts will have funds available to develop those park sites on the school locations. Okay. Staff can explain that probably even better than I can, but that's where that came so from. So that's in addition to the 159 acres? That's correct. Okay, so it's actually 20 acres on top of that. 18 acres on top of that. Well, yeah. plus the two acres. Yeah. Plus the two, yeah. Yeah, and somehow I guess that's two. 150 acres, that might be just a typo, but I think I saw Let Michelle couple. answer that Okay. because she's, I'm sure, much better able to do that than I am. Okay, thank okay. you. Thank you. All right, any other questions? Concluding. Nothing? If I, if I may, Andy Fisher with the Parks okay. Department is here to answer specific questions to the parks or to clarify what was just said. Good morning. Good morning. Andy Fisher with Placer County Parks. Calculators are smoking this morning. Boy, I'll tell you what. <laughs> Let me see if I can shed a little light on the difference between 150 and 159. 150 acres is a land use figure. It is the land use. If you look at that map, the green park acreage is 150 acres. So let me... Tell, show you, if I can, how that parses out to 159 worth of credit. There are 22 acres of all that green area there that are private parks over toward the far east end. And typically, and in this situation, we only give half credit for private parks. So uh, out of that 150 acres, 11 of those, those 22 acres of the private parks are not credited against our, our 159-acre standards. So subtract 11 from 150 add back in an in-lieu fee credit of 18 acres, and then an additional two acres. Uh, what happened in the 2007 plan is that the, there were park corp yards within the two community parks. Those were taken out, and they were that, so there's more room for recommendities in the community parks, and where the corp yards were uh, uh, is now going into the corp yard area underneath the high power lines. But we still gave them credit for that because we do that. Um, in Granite Bay, we did that and all uh, throughout the county. That's part of your whole park package is, is what you need to maintain those parks. Uh, so that's how if you subtract out the, the private portion and then add in the in lieu fee and the, the, the uh, corp yard area, you come up with 159. So, let's <laughs> see my calculator smoking here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you have 159 minus 11. Plus 18 plus 2. Are and we so right? that comes out to 159 again? <laughs> That's how we get to the credit value of 159 acres of parks, public community park or community and neighborhood parks. Okay. So, okay. so the 150 is land use. When you look at the land use map, there are 150 acres of park land on the ground, some of which is is not given. Oh, you're subtracting full credit. 11 from 150. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Now, now I'm getting closer. To the <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. All right. Uh, I guess, Ken, you had some questions you wanted to deal with. Is that okay? I'll try, and, and I heard a couple, and if there's some additional ones, perhaps okay. you can help me out and, and remind you. Uh, one question was regarding the phasing of Watt Avenue and, and trying to reiterate again. First off, and I, I know uh, Tim Tarrant already mentioned this, the project's already been approved. We're just looking at a couple of these amendments that are really centered around the park. But in terms of what is proposed for for Watt Avenue, 
It will be phased. It, again, is a $40-plus million project with a huge bridge going over Dry Creek. It is proposed to be four, and I even think six lanes going into the future. Uh, it will happen in phases. Probably the first thing people will see will be the intersection at PFE and Watt to be um, improved because what we typically see in these roadways the intersections become the first bottlenecks, we open up those, and then eventually we do the widening. And so again, it will occur over time depending on the actual phasing that they propose to do. Um, as far as working with the community, I, I definitely suggest we, we do typically work with our municipal advisory committees. Some folks probably aren't plugged into those. I'm happy to help people get plugged into those. Of course, most of that was done prior to 2007 when this project was first being developed. Again, what we're looking at today are just some, some modifications to that overall plan. Uh, the, there was a discussion about Locust Road and particularly where it meets up with Sacramento County. And Tim Tarrant mentioned correctly, today the study and the study we were directed to do was really focused on a break There it is, the break right up there. The thought of having a break here isn't part of that study yet. I, that's something that can be, we're happy to do, I guess we can add any work. That definitely complicates things. The more breaks you create, the more, the less places there are for traffic to go. The more we look at, the harder it gets. Um, but that isn't what's being studied at this moment. Only the break at the top. And I think those are the questions I heard, but I heard maybe Commissioner Nader had a question. Well, I was just going to say, if you did close that road on north and south, again, it makes it a big cul-de-sac for the most part. And the one alternative would be, uh, as I think was mentioned earlier, where there was kind of this arrow on the old plan, as you can see on the top, that went over to Pleasant Grove Road, is that that uh, town center drive would then punch on over to Pleasant Grove Road. Is Pleasant Grove Road just a two-lane road right now? I believe it is up in that area. And I if I'm not mistaken, some of this area beyond may even be outside the county, although I'm not quite sure. It may not be totally our, within our control to make a new connection to a, uh, a current road in Sacramento County. I think it looks like on the map it's right on the county line. The road is. Pleasant yeah. Grove. All right. But that would still, but I do believe that is not our road. It is definitely their road. But as a two-lane road, it doesn't offer a, a, a good way of getting in and out of that area. Absolutely. I, or or uh, it, it would allow for some. But it's important to note even Locust, I believe, is also a two-lane roadway, proposed to be a two-lane roadway um, at this point in time. So it is not proposed to be widened to a four-lane large roadway. Thank you. Mm. Did, did you miss anything, guys? Well, I guess kind of scratching my head here, if, uh, if we're taking a look at that whole west end there, and currently I, we're just really looking at the, that one closure of Locust, what would the options be if we, uh, if it turns out that this kind of does become a dead end cul-de-sac in here uh, to take a bigger picture look at what's going on here. Maybe you said you're going to do that if the issues develop. Right, right now the, the Placer Vineyard specific plan is approved. 
for what you see, or at least on the upper side. Uh, that includes the entire roadway network. Uh, the board has directed us, and we are doing the, the look at the one closure at this point, kind of halfway through, to see what, that ha what happens with that. Obviously, the more changes that start getting contemplated, that bill is being borne by the applicant, not by the county or the taxpayer. So I'm not, it's not my position to ask them to do anything over what has been required of them thus far. Agreed to, yeah. Pardon? Agreed to. Yeah, agreed to, correct. Uh, correct. Okay, well, that, you know, that answers my question. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Are there any other questions of staff at this time by any of the commissioners? If not, then I'm going to ask EJ to lead us through this process and, uh, and guide us in making. Well, what, what we'll do is we'll put up, uh, I'll have Michelle put up the recommendation up there, and then I'll have her walk you through the actions that we're asking you to make a recommendation on today. Um, Thank you, Michelle. Go ahead. I'll try not to mess it up. Um, pursuant to the staff report before you, there's, there's the findings that are included, as well as these following recommendations, which do include the recommendation to um, consider the errata sheet that you were provided. So the first one is adopt the addendum um, to the certified Placer Vineyard Specific Plan Final Environmental Impact Report, and adopt the amendment to the uh, Placer Vineyard Specific Plan Mitigation Monitoring and Reporting Program, approve the aforementioned amendments to the Placer Vineyard Specific Plan Approve the amendment to their Placer Vineyard specific plan land use and development standards, which I believe is your appendix A to your report, um, to the specific plan. And lastly, to approve the second amended and restated development agreement with the changes noted on the errata sheets you were provided today. Okay. Thank you. And your, um, your motion will be in the form of a recommendation to the board. To the board. All are recommendations. If the commission would like to consider one motion that includes all of the subparts, you certainly may do that. Okay. Mr. Chairman, I would make such a motion, and I'd be happy to read through it again if we need to, or if I can refer to what uh, has been read in, I'd, I'd be happy to do that also. Okay. So we have a motion then, as displayed before us. Is there second. a second? Second. Second. We have a motion and a second. Is there any further questions or comments? Hearing none, roll call, please. Yes. Yes. Mr. Denio abstains. Mr. Sevison? Yes. Now, is there, since this is going to the Board of Supervisors, I don't believe there's a traditional appeal. That is correct. It's going so as this, a recommendation you, to the Your appeal opportunity will be to the Board of Supervisors when they hear this same item and uh, I'm not sure when that'll be but probably in next, next month is it correct we're looking at December 9th December 9th okay and we thank you for your comments we hope that we can uh, resolve any further issues through this study and uh, over time and we appreciate your comments and your uh, coming to listen <laughs> and guiding us. We're going to take a, uh, about a five or ten minute break between items here and then uh, we'll reconvene with the next item.
whenever they're whenever they're ready. Give me three minutes. Three minutes. Oh, I can go fast. doing? What's Larry doing? It's your glasses. You need your glasses. Yeah, yeah. You're going to lead us through this, are you? Yes, I am. Okay. So, good afternoon. My name is George Vazasco. I'm a supervising planner with the Placer County Planning uh, Services Division. I am sitting in for uh, Lisa Carnahan today, who is unable to attend. Um, today, before you, the proposal is to amend the previously <coughs> approved Riolo Vineyard Specific Plan, specifically the design guidelines, development standards, development agreement and rezone 322.8 acres of the site. What that all entails is elimination of the alley loaded medium density homes, replacement of high density residential land use with commercial land use designations, addition of low density residential uses, creation of a density reserve, removal of ag 10 residential land use, introduction of agricultural and estate residential land use, within the uh, portions of the specific plan, roadway changes, relocations of park and recreation areas, proposed modifications to development agreement. Also, you should have gotten an errata. Um, I'll run through that really quickly. So the first issue is um, affordable housing. That's just to clean up uh, with regard to um, some mitigation fees that they are paying with regard to affordable housing. Um, also to um, clarify completion of the right-of-way and uh, acquisition. Uh, 
for the project. Um, uh, more cleanup language on the dedication of open space. Uh, there are some um, changes to how the parks will be um, constructed. They're going to be in, uh, constructed which, with phases of the development, concurrent with the phases that they are located in. And um, in light of the changes in the parks, we're also um, changing the timing of the trail improvements. So what I'd like to do is just show you quickly. This is the original plan. Just to give you a sense of where we're at and how it was laid out. And this is what's newly proposed. Um, so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to turn it over to um, Dave Cook, who is representing the project. And he's going to go over these things in more depth. And then I'll come back um, with regard to the recommendation, unless you have any questions for me. Any questions? No. OK. Thank You're you. free to go. Well, oh. it, it can wait. It can wait. Let's just go ahead with this, and then I'll ask later. Thank you, George. Good afternoon. Well, almost good afternoon, Mr. Chairman, members of the commission. Dave Cook, RCH Group, here on behalf of HBT of Riolo Vineyards, Town Development of Sacramento. Um, I'm going to go through this fairly quickly. My stomach's growling. Uh, we've had a long morning, but um, feel free to stop me or ask any questions. As George just showed, we've got some significant changes which we feel are an enhancement to the previously approved project, and I'm going to walk you through some of those. First of all, from an ownership standpoint, town controls, or HBT as the ownership entity here, controls about two-thirds of this property, so but for the, the blue-colored uh, other future participants, except for the Riolo parcel in the, uh, in the center here, uh, town controls everything from essentially east to west. So a quick history. In 09, the board approved this specific plan. Uh, that May and December, town purchased this from JTS. The following December, we processed and secured approval for parcel J, uh, the our first tentative map, if you will, and that was on the east end at PFE and Walerga, as you may recall. Um, in December of 2012, we modified the affordable housing mitigation, removed the on-site high-density uh, multifamily, and worked an arrangement with Acres of Hope up in Bowman, and we're still engaged with them. And as George alluded to in the errata, uh, town has an ongoing obligation for a few more years to, to pay them some additional funding. Uh, something about working on these things in December, we're going to miss it this year being here in November and not getting to the board until January, but we had a streak going there for a while. Uh, in, in the meantime, we've made a variety of changes to the specific plan that I'll walk you through. In addition, we were able to secure our 404 permit. We've also completed multiple studies that have been part of the effort leading up to this and, of course, will get us through to the board hearing. So we've got rural low density, medium density. We've got the approved commercial parcel of commercial on the east, the proposed on the west where the affordable housing was. We've modified the location of the parks, the character of some of the open space use, and in particular the character of the, the uh, existing and proposed ag. Big difference, this major arterial that ran parallel to PFE at one point, we looked at maybe uh, combining these two roads, 
It didn't make a lot of sense. There were concerns that we had with two um, points of ingress and egress on Watt Avenue. So we have proposed to eliminate that. We propose to eliminate these ag 10 parcels. We think our approach is gonna be a better um, way to maintain an ag character out here. And we think that um, that's gonna work um, for everybody's benefit going forward. We eliminated this alley, uh, alley loaded density here and replaced it with uh, a more conventional single family but small lot medium density. So we've got two distinct neighborhoods here Obviously, we have a void in, in the middle because that's a separate property owner, but we really have two entries off of PFE. We've broken this down to what we feel like is going to be more of a, of a, a suburban scale compared to what was there before. We've moved the parks to the edges of the neighborhoods where there's a better connection with the trails and the open space. And we, we feel that we've better assimilated this medium density in with the rest of the neighborhoods in terms of the way that the street network uh, lays out and to that end, uh, we think it's just gonna create a better sense of place and better neighborhood because of the way our circulation and our street connections work. These are the, the, the key changes. George already ran through them. I'm gonna go through one slide at a time just very quickly to, to highlight these for you. Again, side by side, you can see very similar the neighborhood locations because of the the floodplain edge, they haven't really changed just in the configuration and the connection of this major arterial across the, uh, across the creek. So we got rid of the connection to Watt Avenue and the bridge that will remain here will be for pedestrian bicycles and, and maintenance vehicles only. We reevaluated the rural residential parcel in between. You'll see a very different configuration um, what had been previously approved had single-family homes abutting the Riolo family um, equestrian operations out there. We didn't think that was going to work too well long-term, so we basically in increased the acreage and put open space along that edge instead. We, uh, I mentioned the alley-loaded lots. I mentioned the high-density and commercial. Uh, I, again, instead of the Ag-10, We've added some estate lots here, which are not the same size. They are up along the, the edge of the floodplain, but we're maintaining these areas here simply as ag. Now we may contract with a commercial farmer. There are a variety of things we're still exploring, but we really felt like that was gonna preserve the agricultural character far better than what uses might take place on these individually owned and controlled 10 acre parcels. From a floodplain encroachment standpoint, the, the pink reflects fill that was in the previously approved plan, and the color's a little difficult to see here, but there are a couple of little pop-outs where we are now proposing the, the increased, um, excuse me, the change in floodplain encroachment. <laughs> there is an increase in the number of lots that will be located in what will previously have been floodplain, but a significant decrease in the acre feet that is in the floodplain. So you see over the little note here on the, on the right corner, 34 acre feet less. So from a volumetric standpoint, uh, significant reductions in the amount. And then from just an overall acreage, we've reduced the impact by six acres of surface area just by eliminating this connection. And, and these pop-outs here were primarily those Ag-10 lots. 
we've simplified the street sections, and we've got two basic sections now, but for a couple of roundabouts and some entry features. There were a dozen plus street sections before, and we just felt from a constructability standpoint, it, it was gonna be far easier, plus the, the neighborhoods would feel a bit more consistent. I mentioned the, the uh, connectivity for the, uh, for the trails and the parks, the open space. We've got the same number of trail connections. We've actually increased the lineal footage of trails just because of the way some of these things have moved around. We've still got the connectivity that will come off of Wallerga across this center um, parcel of the Elliott family here, come across this bridge and get us out to Watt Avenue. But as importantly, from each of the parks, you see these trail connections up to what will be an extension of that Dry Creek Trail that was put in with the Morgan Creek, Dry Creek CFD. So overall, we feel that we've got a better connection with the parks and the, and the trail system. Here the parks are more easily identified. Got a linear park here, so as people are driving down PFE Road, previously there were homes that were backing up onto this. Now there's a, a, a better sight line through there and open space along that entire edge. There'll be a trail here that again connects us up to, uh, to Dry Creek. I'm not gonna go into the detail on each of the parks, but these, these are the conceptual designs for each. We've worked with uh, Andy and facilities to um, work out not just the design, but also the phasing as George made reference to. <coughs> this is the largest of the parks that is at the, the north end of our center section here and the Elliott property will be responsible to add on to that for the ultimate design. So again, the documents and studies, we've completed the, the master plans and infrastructure updates, done the um, environmental checklist that's resulted in the addendum to the EIR. We're still working on public services and public facilities fees, working with staff on fiscal. As you probably know, we're following Placer Vineyards in that regard. And um, with that, on the development agreement, once the facility, excuse me, once the, the fiscal studies are done, we'll know where we stand on those. And on the development agreement, it's, it's not here, but I am going to ask for a recommendation that we extend our term. You heard some discussion on that as it related to Placer Vineyards. For us, there was no litigation that enabled us to uh, use the tolling provision, thankfully. Um, but because of the delay, we'd like to be able to start the clock next year when this is approved at the board, so we've got a full 20 years. We don't need to worry about coming back and asking for an extension somewhere down the, somewhere down the road. We went to the MAC last week. We had a 3-0 vote uh, supporting this project. We've been there probably a half dozen times as we worked through and discussed these changes, and uh, we found positive support all the way through that process. Here today, we uh, hope to get to the board in January, and the plan is to start construction on that eastern parcel in, um, um, in next summer of 2015. So with that, um, I'll hand this back to staff or answer any questions that any of you might might have. Okay. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Let's start at the end and work our way this way. Okay. Dave, um, can you go back to this diagram for me, your new concept? Just a couple questions that you can clarify that didn't.
Yeah. Is that, is that sufficient? Yeah, they, maybe that one will even, <laughs> okay. even do it because it shows. Um, you know, you, you, you talked about the Watt Avenue connection, you know, east to west and all that, right. and then in between. Just for my benefit, because <laughs> it looks like on the diagram you have, have two tie-ins um, to the low density that would come over to the density on the east side of Willegra there. Mm -hmm. no, those, those will tie in. Are there going to be any lights from Wallegra and then PFE, you know, access, or is it all going to be stop sign? What just sort of explain how the improvements for PFE and Wallegra and stuff? Great, great question. I'm happy to <laughs> Ken. So we will improve this intersection at Wallegra and, and, and PFE, and that will happen um, fairly early on. I don't believe those improvements are required until the 178th building permit, but the improvement plans are required um, in advance of that. One of the recent changes to the DA as we work through all these um, clarifications and modifications with staff is a request to have the improvement plans for the signal at Watt and PFE done sooner rather than later. Although our plan is to march from east to west just because this is where the initial infrastructure is located, given traffic concerns, uh, Ken Grimm has expressed the desire to at least give the county the opportunity to build that intersection sooner if we're not ready to go. Um, if it doesn't deem is it, if it's not deemed necessary sooner, then we'll do that when we get out to that west side. And in the DA, there are triggers for those improvements. These, um, and staff will have to refresh my memory, these are stop signs. There is a pedestrian signal that you may or may not recall was part of our parcel J. Uh, approval uh, in order to make certain that kids from th these neighborhoods found a safe way across the street rather than, you know, we assume they weren't going to come out to the main intersection and cross. So we have, you know, these will be the two main points of ingress and egress. There'll be a secondary access here, and this is pedestrian only. Okay, and, and they're just stop signs. That, that's my, my understanding. That's my understanding as well. Okay. Oh, okay. Because uh, I'm just assuming in the traffic study, you know, and whole plan, they took in, developed, the whole area developed out, you know. A absolutely. And so. when, when we first started to pursue this alternative where we eliminated that parallel road, the initial step was to have a traffic analysis done to make certain that we weren't somehow creating problems by virtue of eliminating this parallel street. Well, it turns out that the trip distribution was such everybody's going to end up at, at these intersections anyway so there were no problems here and in fact this is going to be better from a, a long-term standpoint because you won't have two intersections in close proximity there but all that was analyzed as part of the environmental review and okay that's good okay Any, anybody else? Richard okay yeah I guess uh, I guess you call it the Elliott property correct and that shows is uh, low density, but the zoning isn't part of this specific plan. That, that, that's correct. Um, the way this works is that these non-participants, so this is Elliot here, Lund here, this is Frisvald here, they have that designation, but until they come in and they do their project level EIR, then we don't do anything more than 
leave the attributed density that was uh, granted at the original um, approval of the specific plan. So they will have to come in on, a, on separate action. When this was approved originally, it was programmatic for them from an EIR standpoint and project level for the JTS, now the HPT. <coughs> Does that answer your, your question? I, yeah, I think it uh, clarifies that part of it. And then I know when we uh, looked at the parcel J before. Correct. One of the concerns was that this is a lot of uh, development on a uh, virtually a cul-de-sac system. And so one of the considerations at that time when we approved it was that there would be a, a road connection from uh, J across the Elliott property into the rest of the project which would give you actually two points of ingress and egress for right. all the development that's going to go in there. Is that still in the cards or is that out of the cards? No, that is still in the cards, and I'm, I'm glad you raised that point. There is, in addition to the pedestrian crossing here, there is an emergency vehicle access until such time as the Elliott property develops, but the, but the plan schematically and just logically will be that these two roads will connect. This will serve as the main entry off of PFE for both properties here and then provide that connection back to Walerga on this other side. So that, that remains the same as was approved for Parcel J. Okay, that, but that may or may not happen for a long time? Yeah, there, there's, no, there's no guarantee of the timing. We have continual infrequent conversations with Elliot. They're not a development firm. That's just a, you know, it's a family holding. We don't know what their timing will be on that. So on an interim basis, we do have this emergency vehicle access through here. So that'll give us the secondary access. Okay. No secondary access for the parcel low to the left? No, because now if, if, if we find that there's an issue once we get over here and Elliot still hasn't developed, at that point, it might make some sense for us to negotiate some sort of interim connection that was not, as I recall, a condition of parcel J the emergency access addressed. Oh, right, yeah. That, that I, I think I remember that discussion. Right. I guess in my mind at that time, uh, part of the reason why this was okay is because there would be a connection to the west. Right. Which it, would give uh, better circulation to, to entries. Remember, this is about 106 units, and although not, not perfect, that it's only got one primary entry from a traffic study standpoint and from a functional standpoint, I, I think that between the developer and, and staff, we found that that was going to be workable. Clearly, we'd like to see this connection made, but it, in, until Elliot comes along, and then this piece has got to come in here because that center entry basically straddles the property lines. So it, it won't make any sense to make this connection until one or both of these are starting to move along. Okay. Is, uh, I did read somewhere where one of these parcels is in the uh Williamson Act, is that the problem? The, the, the Friswold parcel was in the Williamson Act, and although this predates our involvement, uh, my, my memory, and, and uh, staff may uh, correct it if I'm, if I'm off base, they were ready to file for non-renewal if they remained in. And as this thing approached the, the hearings, they decided not to participate. They were concerned about the fee burden and some other issues, and so they pulled back. Again, we remain in... in contact with them and hopefully once we go through the, the the modifications that we're going through hopefully we're going to see them come back to the table and start to get engaged okay we do need to have a continuing 
you know, improving market to, to help aid that, I'm sure. Okay. So all the blank parcels are non-participating, and that would be like, okay, right. status. Right. So okay. the, uh, primarily these three, Lund, Elliott, and, and Friswold, the, um, the farming operation up here is, is not at all involved. Mm -hmm. Just simply shown as, uh, as an ag use. Okay. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Rick. Wayne? I know you said that uh, the Walergo Road uh, would start first, those 100 homes in that area. And uh, you said that would probably start in 15, I think you said. That's, that's the goal. Year. What about the, the center part of that project? Uh, what do you think is the timing of that? You know, it, it, it's really market-driven. And uh, obviously there's a, there's a process. There's the other infrastructure that we need to bring on. Um, we'd like to think that that's going to be a couple years beyond just when you start walking through the timetable for development uh, permits and, and, and sales. And this is the logical progression to move from here, jump over on the other side of Elliott, right. and work our way west. But we've got some flexibility built in where we might decide, and you may recall, well, you may not, you weren't on the commission at the time, Wayne, but this was where JTS was going to start. They were going to work their way from Watt and PFE and go back to the east. So to, to back to your question, right. I think it will be at least a, a couple, three years. But, again, it's really market-driven. How many homes are in that center piece in there, in there would you guess? Uh, it looks like it's more than 100. The, yeah, this, this is 200 and uh, right about 200. Because I sort of have the same sort of kind of questions that Richard was asking related to the Elliott piece and the connection across there, because as that develops the center part, um, you know, with 200 homes in there uh, and, and one access, I mean, is it workable? Yeah, probably. But is it ideal? No, it's not. Uh, it would be best if you could get some sort of an easement across the Elliott's property to make that connection across there as another access in instead of having just one access in there. Understood. But um, that's just a, kind of a circulation concern. Okay. Wayne? Thank you. I have a couple questions, Dave. First of all, I'm sure Don Riolo, if he was still with us, would like to, is happy to see the baseball diamond included in the recreation area, <laughs> as much of a softball nut as he was. <laughs> and. Second, my next question or comment is, uh, looking at this, the Elliott property, on both sides you show the roadway split on the property line. Right. So I guess I'm curious how you're going to deal with that if you're going to start on the right side with the uh, J parcel, I guess, how you're going to construct the roads if they haven't come to an agreement yet and of course it, it moves all the way to the west as you have to have the road across and then you get the next the the um, I can't think of the name of this one but at any rate the other pie-shaped one it's also split on the property line and how do you you're going to get you're going are you assuming you're going to have agreement with with the uh, the Elliots by that time? That, that, that's a fair question, and, and I guess the simple answer is yes. Um, as part of the tentative map approval for Parcel J, this is something that engineering raised, and we were 
required, and we were able to provide a demonstration of cooperation, if you will. It wasn't a granting of easements by Elliott, but they acknowledged this configuration both for drainage, for slope, as well as ingress and egress. And so at that point, they indicated their willingness to cooperate when we got there. Okay. And, and we, based on the dialogue that we've had, we hope that that's going to continue to be the case. Otherwise, you know, I have a feeling we might be back in front of you asking for some <laughs> modification, but we don't anticipate that, that as being necessary. All um, right. Again, we, as soon as town bought this, we sat down with both of those property owners and also reached out to, to Monty Lund and we've been in communication with them ever since. I guess I would turn to George or EJ and say, do we have things in the file that demonstrate cooperation from the Elliots that uh, I mean, Rebecca, do you have a board? Yes, so Rebecca Tabor with Engineering and Surveying. I don't have it with me because it's part of the Parcel J file, but I recollect just like Dave was saying, we, we had asked for something, some kind of assurance, you know, not a easement dedication, but a letter to, to indicate that they were willing to work with, with homes by town, and, and we have something in the file. We had that before we came to you for the Parcel J okay. tentative map. Thanks, Beth. Mm -hmm. Okay, any other questions? Uh, Dave? Thank you. Thank you. I guess now it's time to let the public have a shot at us. Is there anyone in the audience that would care to comment on this application? Ooh, that's good news. Well, if there isn't, we'll close the public comment period and bring it back to George. Do you have any closing observations? Do I? Yes. I have no closing observations, except I'm going to go through the recommendations with you unless you have any questions for me. And before we get to the recommendations, as I mentioned when we started the, the prior item, uh, the errata that's been provided to you before the DA are those additional items that have been agreed to between staff and the county. Um, the applicant has raised the question and asked for the commission to consider an extension of the term. That was one of the items uh, that was not agreed to, and I'll explain why. There is no automatic reset under state law or county code when uh, a development agreement is amended. Uh, we didn't agree to it for Placer Vineyards. We also didn't agree to it with Riola Vineyards. However, that being said, as you heard with Placer Vineyards, um, they paid very dearly for a five-year extension of their term due to the lawsuits and the fact that we told that term. Um, so they were told between uh, 2007 to 2012. What the applicant for Riola Vineyards has asked for is essentially um, an extension of the term and getting out my smoking calculator would be approximately additional five, five years as well. That is a policy decision. Uh, it's something that this commission can consider. And if you wish to consider it, what I'm going to suggest before we get to the overall recommendations is you discuss this particular item so that I could provide direction if that's the way the commission wants to go as to what would need to be amended in the DA to take forward. Uh, if the commission does not wish to consider that, I think the applicant and as well as staff would like to hear that as well so we know how we're going forward to the board. But we, we could act on the balance of the request 
letting that item set, up, set aside and let the board decide it, I guess, if we wanted to. You could. Uh, well, let me explain the complication with that and why I'd almost encourage you to give some direction at this point is the, when the DA goes to the board, we have to adopt it by ordinance. It has to be executed. Um, I guess what I'm saying is you could certainly do that. You could punt if you like or you could take it up now and send it up with a recommendation. There's nothing legally prohibiting an extension of the term. The reason staff didn't agree to it on a staff level is there's no right to have that when you amend an agreement. You don't automatically get to add extra years to your agreement. But it is something that this commission could consider in its review of the GA. Okay, thank you. You know, one thought uh, that just comes to mind is uh, uh, you know, this development agreement went through the same economic uh, downturn as the vineyards did. It did. Yeah. Uh, as a point of discussion, I guess, that I don't see any problem with extending it. Um, I mean, I understand that it's not an automatic, um, but the question's been asked, and I, I mean, for lack of a better argument, can't see any good reason why not. Well, if you just don't like the idea. <laughs> I mean, but. I would support it. Okay. Ken, you have yeah, a comment? Yeah, I just sort of spoke for me there. <laughs> I mean, I don't have any, any problem because it's gone through the economic decline just like the vineyards and. Does it need to be everything else? Yes, what I'm going to suggest is what I'm hearing is that uh, if someone would like to entertain a motion to recommend that the amended and restated development agreement, uh, section 1.3.1, be amended to establish the commencement of the term with the effective date of the amended agreement. Okay. Uh, so move. <laughs> Seconded. Do you want to do that? Is it all right to do that before we do the rest of the? I would recommend we do that before because it sounds like that's the only detail outside of the overall um, project items to deal with. So I, I would prefer so that. So vote on that, approve yes. or deny it, and then it becomes part, part of the application. Correct. Okay. Now someone made a motion. Made the I motion. just said so. Move. Wayne did. We have a second. second. You seconded it. Jeff seconded. Is there any further discussion? Roll call, please. Yes. 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 Okay, so that having that completed now we can go to the application of the project itself and on the on the screen is a recommendation from the development review committee to the planning commission and is there someone that would like to you want to read it to us, George? I'll Any read the it record? to you. Yeah, no problem. Well, before okay. we do that, uh, Richard. Yeah, I, uh, I I want to say that I'm still a little bit troubled about the insurances assurances that come with the Elliott property and the road across there. Is there? I guess we have a letter of uh, cooperation. We do, according to Rebecca Tabor, she has that they've agreed to cooperate when they move forward. Yes. Uh, maybe I'm asking from the county perspective, uh, is that enough assurance that someday that road uh, will be connected or is there? 
I believe it is. Some way that we need to uh, firm that up a little bit. No, I, I, believe, I believe that's as much as we can do at this point, and I believe it's enough. I, I think that actually if, if they fail to cooperate with the roads, that project's got to come back here for redesign of the road system in some fashion, which will trigger the fact that they've got to rearrange the roads so that they're workable automatically. So is, am I wrong on that? that that's correct. Yeah, they, they would have to submit, you know, new tentative maps for whatever, you know, they're proposing and at that time your commission would have another, uh, you know, chance to make sure those provisions and, and were in place. Ken? And then, and then two on the, the one that crosses directly across, if they came forward with a plan, you just condition it, that those, it has to be tied in. If, if, the Elliott, yeah, if the Elliott project comes in, we'll, we'll yeah, be looking for that connection that, when we review yeah, the, the, the map, right, yeah. and condition and, it. And bear in mind what the commission is considering right now and the requests that are in front of you are res with respect to the policy document, the development standards. For each individual development within that specific plan, the applicant would have to, as EJ mentioned, bring forward tentative maps. At that point, the details of the circulation will be looked at uh, by the various departments. Okay. Okay. Thank you. I'm okay. Okay. <laughs> yes. Are we ready? You were about to read right. to us, George. So essentially, um, bear in mind that this is all um, a recommendation from you to the Board of Supervisors. So recommend the adoption, uh, recommend adopt the addendum to the certified Riola Vineyard specific plan file envi final environmental impact report. Recommend adoption of an amendment to the Riola Vineyard specific plan mitigation monitoring and reporting program. Recommend adoption of a resolution approving amendments to the Riola Vineyard specific plan. Recommend adoption of an ordinance for a rezone of the 322.8 acres of the total 525 acres to SPL-RVSP, adopt an ordinance approving amend, excuse me, recommend adoption of an ordinance approving amendments to the Riola Vineyard specific plan development standards, recommend adoption of a, rather, uh, excuse me, of a resolution approving amendments to the Riola Vineyard specific plan design guidelines, and recommend adoption of an ordinance approving the amended and restated development agreement, including the errata sheet for the Riola Vineyard specific plan. Thank you. And, and is further amended. And, along with the amendment. That right. Yeah. right. Yes, and with the... the exactly. Yeah, the yeah, your one amendment. And your, your motion also includes uh, the findings that are recommended. Findings. Finding, yeah. With the findings. findings. We have a motion? Yes. Yep. In a second. Okay. Is there uh, any other questions or comments before we move? Roll call, please. Yes. 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 Oh, yes. <laughs> well, thank you all for your participation today. This does not have any appeal comments need to be read because it's automatically going to the Board of Supervisors also. So uh, for that reason, unless there's comments or questions by any board member, we're, ex we're excused. Excused. Now, what do I do with all this paper? <laughs>
You.